Sci-Fi, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast cross-sections. Their mission, to explore new topics and create new content. And boldly go where no boys have gone before. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi guy, Colin Brandon, and joining me today is... Mark. Jason. Matt. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew's back. And today we are talking about the, well, we'll say 2020 release film, The Platform, a Spanish-made sci-fi movie. Uh, Just like the last movie we talked about, this one debuted at the Toronto Film Festival. Um... But it got released to the world uh, this year in 2020. So uh, before we get into this movie, though, I'm going to throw it over to Ben Young for the Young News. There is no news. <laughs> is that that like that? Is that like that English broadcast like in the in the 60s or whatever, where they literally just was like there were no there was no news and they just played calming music for the rest of the day? <laughs> I've never no, heard of that, but just like, oh, really, I feel like I, I don't know. I was just expecting something like from World War II or Ah oh, boys, uh, back from the war across the Atlantic Ocean, began There's... procreating the worst generation. <laughs> that was oh. generation. Teehee. <laughs> there is no news, but uh, for all the news that does happen, for all the latest and greatest, follow us at facebook.com slash sci-fi cross sections and on Twitter at SF cross sections. Overlord, back to you. <laughs> now over to Ollie for the weather. What's the weather like, Ollie? It's, it's all rain. rain. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, uh, right. something disturbing I just have to point out here. Did you say your sci-fi guy? <laughs> he did because uh, yeah, that's I was gonna not say on the t-shirts, Colin. Yeah. No, no, it's not. That's we're all gonna have to send them all back to the printers. Uh, maybe Andrew could fix it in the mix. Oh yeah, right. Say boy. Hey, I'm Colin, and I'm your sci-fi boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> great, great sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think anyone would catch it. All right. Oh, I caught it. Just keeping you guys on your toes. <laughs> something disturbing <laughs> okay uh so yeah today we're talking about the platform uh this was uh, by the way just i'm gonna apologize here because some of these names and i was reading them earlier i'm trying to to get it down but some of these names will throw me for a loop and i apologize so um first off written by david de sola and pedro rivero um and directed by ready for it galder gazdelu urutia Sounds good. It's about the best I could do. Um, I do not have a budget for you guys. Um, I always love these small indie films because they never show their budget. But I can tell you that it was fucking well spent. Anyways. And I do not have a box office for you for obvious reasons. Um, Starring uh, Ivan Masage. Sorry. um, Zorian Aguilar. Uh, Antonia San Juan and Emilio Boale Coca. Uh, he played the uh, uh, Baharat. Yes, thank you. And then um, Alexandra Masanke uh, was the uh, silent but deadly woman that kept running. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> what do they refer to her as? The Asian Marilyn Monroe? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Better than the Asian Marilyn Manson. 
<laughs> the kawaii people the kawaii people god he's not wrong though miller you just almost made me spit water all over my chair, <laughs> at least you won't crash your car listen to this next that's, time that's true wow. yeah yeah so the, yeah, the the real estate was originally on the 6th of september in 2019 um and then it was released on netflix the 20th of march um if you haven't already watched this movie, fucking stop and go watch it and then come back and listen to this. Uh, and I will say, do not listen to the sub. No, never. don't listen to the dub. Yeah, never listen to the dub. Uh, watch it with the subtitles on. Yeah, it's much better. Uh, As no, you I will should say, always I have a... do regardless of what country mm-hmm. the film came from. Right. Absolutely. Though I, I will say... I have a dirty little secret, guys. You watch the... I have a dirty little secret. You didn't watch it a secret anymore. If you watched it with Doug, you're fired. Oh, well, I watched it with both. (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch it with the Spanish subtitles? (laughs) Yes, because the left side, because I I didn't tell you guys this. I haven't told you guys this, but my corpus callosum was cut in half, and now I can watch a movie with two different brains. So I, um, no, I was, I was actually... I was watching the movie, but then I would have to work on something. But then I was watching the movie and I had to work on something. And I like picked up everything, but like I sometimes I couldn't read at that time. Yeah. So I was dubbing every now and then, and then I would sub when I could. Okay. Uh, so you went to next... Corpus Christi for that? I, I, I forgive you, but could you watch the movie again with just. Yes, I could probably do that. Next level right, bullshit, we'll Bill. No. Yeah, I know. Well, I speak Spanish, so I just figured I would just do it for the hell of it. I actually um, picked up on a lot more than I thought I would. I, I got it. There was points where there were points where I didn't even need to read the subtitles. That's damn impressive. Yeah, foreign language never really stuck for me. I get like every fifth word. So, Jason, I remember you said you got a few minutes in watching the uh, dub, and then you like had to turn it off and switch it to the sub, right? Yes. So I was at work today, and I was just mentioning to a coworker what we are um, covering tonight, and he goes, "Oh, that movie was great!" And then he goes, "I got three quarters of the way to the movie, and I didn't even realize they weren't speaking English." <laughs> I was like, I was like you, "You watched the dub that long? You didn't even know?" <laughs> well, this goes this goes down to a uh, before we even get into the movie, we need to like fucking lash netflix for the fact that they automatically default anything to yeah. dubs because yes. their quote unquote research shows that that people are more likely to listen to dubs than read subs which is like i'm sure their research does show that but it doesn't mean you need to encourage that like humans it doesn't are, mean you're right humans are stupid enough as it is and uh we shouldn't be giving them dubs we shouldn't be forcing them to read as our educational system has done if you're gonna read if you're gonna watch a foreign language film just commit to the damn foreign language film seriously yeah you, you lose so much yeah for sure you lose so much in a dub i've watched so many animes that are right. like this is unwatchable and then i turn the dub on and i'm like wow this is so much better 100 percent, yeah and well that was the thing so for me i knew that it was a spanish film and it kind of was odd because, you know, I just defaulted it. I, I just, you know, clicked play, whatever. And I could tell immediately, obviously, that the, you know, the lip performance was not syncing up with what I was hearing. So that was kind of jarring for me. I was like, nope, 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 can't do it. 
So fiddled around in the, you know, CC options, audio options on Netflix. And sure enough, you know, there it is. But to Ben's point, it was kind of buried, which was kind of disappointing. That's really interesting because I didn't have that problem at all. I hit play and it went with the subtitles and um, for for me and everything. Yeah, that's bizarre because it is Netflix has openly said that they default all titles to dubs. So interesting. Is your is your language default language set as Spanish? I hope not because I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Maybe Miller mm. has the weeb setting engaged on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like oh, oh, he's one, one of those, of those. Of guys. <laughs> so right. um, I'm Body actually color detected. I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually glad that Jason recommended this and told us about it because i probably wouldn't have known that it was supposed no. to be in spanish like i'm sure that i would have realized something was wrong about halfway through and i would have just given up and been like whatever i'll just watch through it but like i'm really glad like netflix is doing a real disservice to cinema by even defaulting this for for a few of us i mean obviously some of us are are fine and some of us made it through some of us have it defaulted to uh to subs because we're weebs but others, like, I w don't watch a lot of subtitled stuff on Netflix, not out of choice, just out of, like, that's not what's really available to me right now and, like, not what I'm looking to watch. So, like, seriously, Netflix, get your fucking shit together because if you are this champion of film that you claim to be, you should be defaulting to sub on foreign languages every time. The sci-fi boys are going to drop you, no, Netflix. No, Netflix, I will say, if you do want to sponsor us, uh, then keep up the good work. But if you don't want to sponsor us, go fuck yourself, essentially, right? <laughs> the sci-fi boys are going to drop you. Affiliate opportunities. Anyway, you guys want a synopsis? <laughs> I would love a synopsis. Hit us yes. with it. I should probably hear this because I watched it in dubs. <laughs> Very seriously, before I speak, like if you, Colin said it, but if you guys have not seen this movie, I know we have listeners who listen to stuff just because they like to hear us talk about things, but seriously, turn this off. No, it's true. That's not even me being narcissistic. Like, that's true. But if you haven't right. seen it, turn this off, go watch the movie and come back. Like I tried, yeah. I, I, I've recommended this to a few people now and I've tried to like tell them as little as possible because yeah. you really should walk into this as blind as possible. So I would recommend that for every, yeah. everything we touch on, like everything we review, just, well, I'm, I'm doubly recommending that yeah, here. Comes, yeah. Honestly, yeah. 100% right on this one. Yeah. I'm doubly mm -hmm. recommending. Yeah. I recommend it always, but I'm doubly recommending yeah, the, here. The less you know, the better. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say I'd say for every episode, come in, download the episode, and then when we're bullshitting, cool. But then leave, and then come back and download yeah. us a second time <laughs> after you've seen That's it. That's not how it works. So, um, mm. we're getting into this now, and here we go.
A man named Gorang awakens in a vertical prison with one cell per level and two inmates per cell as food is passed down from top to bottom. After three months of two different cellmates, Gorang decides to protest the system and descends into the hole to attempt to make a lasting change to the administration. And that's where I'm keeping it. If you were like, I really want to know what this is about, there you go. Now leave. Seriously, mm. get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, that was your last chance. <laughs> okay, so the ending. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want to start there. Wait, which movie do we do that for? <laughs> well, a lot. We've done it for a lot of shit. <laughs> I yeah. remember there was specifically one where Bill was like, so that ending, huh? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't even remember what it was. Yeah. But he will shoot no. from the hip. Overlord, no. where do you where do you want us to start here? Oh, uh, so I just want to basically uh, at the beginning. No, we're not going to do a play by play here. But uh, going into this movie, I had no idea what to expect. No, me I know neither. Jason was Same. blowing it up. He was literally he demanded we move the schedule around. Yeah, it was supposed to here. be altered carbon and, this week. Yep, and at first uh, we weren't all down for it right away. But um, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. He kept going and. Here it is, and I'm fucking glad we moved it because, God, this movie was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into it, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I loved the look of the film, just that minimalist four concrete walls. and It's nearly a bottle film. Yeah, I mean, imagine how much money they saved on uh, sets alone. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They can just reuse the same set and then just, oh. like, screw on a new uh, wall plate. What? Well, here's yep. where it gets difficult. This film was entirely filmed chronologically. Oh, because really? Because he, he had to lose weight as the film kept going. Of course he going. did. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they, they had to film chronologically. Isn't that fucking awesome? Mm-hmm. That's wild. And and that just gets so much into it. Like, everything surrounding Gorang is, is so fascinating and so interesting. Like, the... The descent into the hole is the equivalent. So, it... I should go back really quick and say that it was not lost upon me that he began to look like more and more like Jesus Christ before they started talking about him being a messiah. It was it was one of those things where I was like, oh, wow, like he's really looking like this messiah messiah messianic figure. Is that how you pronounce Messi- that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, messianic. Um, and, and and then his um his carrying these. They're carrying the Panacota to the bottom at the end, him and Baharat. But um, I really, it was, it was the equivalent to carrying the cross down there as 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 people are, uh, well, I guess Jesus carried the cross up as the story goes. But uh, the, he carries this Panacota down and as people attack him, as people persecute him and and generally fight against him as he does so and i thought that was really interesting uh, do, do you know who i thought he was supposed to look like in the beginning was actually supposed to be uh don quixote that too Could be, yeah. that's what yeah, he, yeah. that's what he, yeah that's what i thought they were going for with his look i see the jesus thing at the end though mm-hmm. yeah i mean definitely at the beginning he's full he's full don quixote but d- towards the end is definitely jesus what was that matt sorry this movie is completely full of religious symbolism I mean, down to the fact that the first piece of food he grabs is an apple, and then he is almost immediately punished for that. Oh, yep. look at oh, this little cheese. Yep. 
Jesus. That's you see, we can tell here who was raised Catholic and who wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I was raised Catholic for a few years, then my parents gave up. <laughs> see, I, I went to CCD for twelve years. No, thirteen years of my life. That's so. a, I see a bad moon rising. <laughs> you guys want to know my parents left the Catholic Church? Because they wanted too much money monthly. <laughs> Your parents are the Catholics. <laughs> my parents. <laughs> no, no, the, the Catholics wanted too much money. <laughs> my parents left Catholicism because of that reason. Yeah, Yikes. it happens. <laughs> and then your mom turned to, to turn to Norse religion. Good lord! No, I don't even. know. Your mom worships Freya. Oh, uh, everything. That explains the heavy metal influences. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> what were we talking about? Ah, yes, um, the platformer. Jesus, Jesus Christ. It, it's it's funny because it's a. It's a Spanish film, and and you know Catholicism in, in Spanish has, and, and Catholicism in Spain has a lot to do together. They Sp Catholicism has been a, a lasting influence on Spain's government and art culture throughout it. So it's really interesting to see like the first Spanish film because Pan's Labyrinth is a Mexican film, correct? Not a Spanish film. Uh, no, uh, I, I think Guillermo del Toro's a uh, Spaniard. Spanish. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's Spanish. So this is the first film I've, it's first Spanish film I've seen since Pan's Labyrinth. Then in that case, oh, did you not fucking see Automata with Antonio no. Banderas? No, I didn't actually. Fuck, dude, that was. Uh, it's like basically the Spanish iRobot, but better. I'll have to check it out. I remember seeing it and then never seeing it. I seeing like trailers and stuff, and I never got around to watching it. That and, one was uh, filmed in that. English, but it's a Spanish-made film. Oh, okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, sorry, that's off track. You'd love no, it. No, I you'd, mean, you'd fuck, it's, you'd love it. sounds pretty sci-fi to me. Definitely. I mean, it's it's interesting to point out that even in Pan's Labyrinth, like there's a lot of like Christ-like elements, a lot of metaphors happening throughout the film that kind of label uh you know, we're not doing Pan's Labyrinth, so I don't remember the girl's name, but they label her as kind of a messianic figure as well, and it's it's interesting to see that Catholic influence continue to invade its art even to this day even past the renaissance to this to, to modern day well even don quixote was heavily influenced by catholicism that's if you've ever read the story that's why uh miguel de cervantes was in jail he was he was captured by the spanish inquisition yeah so this kind of has a, a mirroring of that a little bit Wow. Yeah. Damn, yeah. Well, I didn't even know that. Best analysis since Event Horizon. Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, well, that's kind of the thing, guys. So th that was part of the reason that I pushed so hard to kind of put this movie on the map because, you know, I think like a lot of us, I wasn't aware. It, it was just happenstance. I think, you know, given our recent kind of circumstances here where everyone's stuck inside, I just was uh, digging on some blog sites looking for something to watch. And um, I just happened to come across that. And uh, I think it was right, you know, maybe a week or so after the film had come out, maybe two weeks. And um, just seemed like it was interesting. It was getting, you know, a lot of solid reviews. So we watched it and I was just absolutely blown away. Um, and I knew just right off the bat that it would inspire some really good discussion because it's a very thematically kind of heavy film. Uh, so and this is great. I mean, we've been talking for 15 minutes and already, you know, the stuff we've kind of pieced out here, I think is really, really great. And we've barely scratched the surface. So, you know, I think not to say that movies like this are 
few and far between or that they're, you know, we get them not often enough, but I think realistically we don't, you know, I, I feel like, uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but I just thought this movie was a, a breath of fresh air. Yes. Well, a breath of fresh air, but I was uncomfortable the entire time I was watching this movie. Incredibly so. There was no period where I was like, oh, thank God. I mean, the only time I felt that is when he got to a high, <laughs> a higher when he was level. On level six. Yeah. When he's on level six, I was like, fuck, man, enjoy your month. But he didn't fucking enjoy his month, <laughs> did <Nope>. he? <laughs> And that's because, uh, what was the name of the character? Uh, Bahamut. Baharat, I think. Baharat. But I think he's talking about... No, 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 um, no. no, no. Um, I'm talking about uh, Trimagasi. He told him the higher levels suck. And he was right. Uh, I think that's... It's hard to say. It's less about because... Okay, so what... Trimagasi meant, I thought a lot about this. What Trimagasi meant by saying the higher levels suck because you have nothing to look forward to is that when you arrive at a higher level, especially when you have a longer sentence, you begin to think about things in a more, in a, in a, you begin to think, think, think about things in a less survival sense of everything. It's not about eating and surviving and living till the next month. It's about understanding that things could go wrong from here. There's no there, there's almost no chance in hell you're going to move up another floor from six. So at that point, you're going to go down and things are going to get worse and you're going to be here for another year or two. So you're going to jump. And that's what it all comes down to. So what Trim, that's what Trimagasi meant for our our hero for for um, fuck uh, go Goreng. He knew he was getting out next month. There was no reason he didn't need to stay there. He went and he took the the path down into the hole because he felt he needed to make change because he that's the sole reason right there. So so I want to put just a a different point of view on it. And I think Bill can help me out with this because I know if me and Bill talked about this years ago is. You have to look at it as level of income. Sure. Um, absolutely. So we're going to put an arbitrary number. I think it's somewhere around uh, 75, 80,000. If you're making less than 75, 80,000 dollars, you always feel like you're not making enough money and you should be, you know, trying to make more money. Once you get above that like 80,000 period, you start to think like, okay, I have this money. What do I do now? And that's usually when people start to be, you know, even though you have that money, you're still becoming unhappy. And it's, you make that choice. A lot of people choose to do, you know, more like philanthropic things, um, donating more money essentially uh, to kind of like offset that. And I don't know, maybe that's just another viewpoint to look at this. Yeah. I don't believe that. I think that's, I think that's some capitalist bullshit meant to keep the, keep us down. I think that's, uh, you know, it's the idea, it's the whole idea of like... Ben, you're, you're a capitalist though. Yeah, you know, whatever, we suck. Um, I think it really is about like the whole like mo money, mo problems thing. Like that's bullshit. It's 100% bullshit. And like money doesn't buy happiness. That's bullshit. This movie was very much a political allegory on class. But that's not what it was about. You're, you're 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 taking you're taking two different concepts and and 
mixing them together. It's not saying that the higher you are, the unhappier you are in that respect. It's it, it was saying something differently. I think when it comes down to the amount of money you have equates to the amount of to how happy you are. I think that's a myth propagated by the man, because what it really comes down to is they don't want you to be rich because the more people that are rich is the less people that they're rich. You know what I'm saying? No, that's valid. Well, I would say, I mean, uh, I mean, money aside, I mean, classism in general, sure. you know, like even, you know, just in general, like if you go to India, the, you know, caste system sort of thing where you are in, you know, you are pegged in a hole. Um, and, uh, and so it's like when we're watching this film, I think, you know, like the relation between people and how they see each other and, you know, the fact that people identify in a way to being above or below somebody, you know, people identify in a way to, well, I'm at least I'm not those people or like, well, you know, those people are jerks because they're above us and they don't even care about us. Or those people are garbage because they don't, they don't do the things that I want them to do sort of thing. I don't know how to describe it. Um, like, uh, let me see, like, like kind of like privilege in a way. And in the back of my mind, that's what I'm thinking of. Like when they were at that, like, uh, what was it? 49 ish level or whatever. The first level. Um, 48. That was the first 48. Level. 48. Yeah. When they were at the 48 level, it, it just reminded me of just like, it reminded me of like, I, it's kind of what Colin was saying is that, you know, this sort of middle class privilege of being able to say, well, those guys are jerks. Those people are garbage and they get to bitch about yep. it. Whereas you get to level 200 and you don't have time to bitch. You're just trying to eat people to stay alive. You're just trying like, to survive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's you're just trying dog. to survive. You can't think about you can't think about the classism. You can't think about the people above or the people below. You're just trying to freaking survive. And so I feel like that's honestly like society. Honestly, I, I think I'm gonna split this up into two parts. What I'm talking about because I have a whole other scientific discussion to do later. So I'll leave it at that for now. But we'll come back to it. So. On that note, I had noticed that they, they seem to move up when they harm each other, but down after they they have a peaceful month. Because they start on floor 48, and they uh, learn to get along with each other. Then they move down to floor 171, um, where Goring wakes up tied up. After Mihiru shows up, she helps Goring kill Trimagasi, and they eat from him to survive. But then they go up to floor 33, where he's got his new roommate, um, they don't kill each other either. Um, and then he winds up all the way down on floor 202. After she hangs herself, he, you know, he eats from her and then he's back to floor six. So it seems like every time they hurt each other to survive, um, they go up. And when they don't take advantage of each other, they are pushed down to the bottom. He doesn't, does he eat her though? I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he trying does. to fight against eating her, okay. but by the end, they show him laying next to her body, chewing. That's right. Yep, I remember now. Well, that all comes down to, I think, the fact, too, tie, or at least ties into the idea that change could never come from below. That's really kind of the thesis of this film, right? Like... You can never change things from the bottom. There's nothing you can do because by the time it's Trimagasi says he's he he says that I'm when he's talking about eating Goring, he um he says it's not my fault. 
these it's it's the people above's fault and it's it's supposed to be this kind of moment of like wow what a what a depraved lunatic but he's he's when you break it all down when you strip it all away when you strip the humanity away from it he's right it's simply the fact that there's no food coming down so he has no choice in his mind he has to survive it's all about the distribution of wealth but the people that have to distribute the wealth are the people with the wealth is essentially what the entire movie is about Exactly. Yeah, and you entrust that you entrust that responsibility to people who have a lot. And um, I was gonna say, like, when when it was actually really funny when they were talking when she was talking about rationing, you know, when she was trying to convince the people below, like, ration the food for the people below, and then you know they will ration as well, yada yada yada. And then you know he says, "Hey, listen, assholes, I'm gonna shit on the food and spread it everywhere." And she. <laughs> And then she's just like, why did that work? Why does that work? And he, and like, why, why can't we, you know, do something about the people above? And he's like, well, I can't shit up. So, yep. yeah, yep. that was a great line too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, to that end too, I, something I kind of wanted to bring up. I mean, there's just so much stuff. So, I mean, I hope we at least can kind of, you know, briefly hit on all these, but you know, as an allegory and as an allegorical um, science fiction movie that kind of has something to say or has a, a main message, I feel like it was just so rich. There's just so many layers and everything kind of has its place. One of the things that I went to kind of early on, and I thought uh, just as a brief aside, the pacing of this was phenomenal because they don't give away too much information. You, you're kind of living this experience with our main character and I thought that was why the, the beginning of the movie was so effective. You had this setup of probably nearly, no, damn near 20 minutes where, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, I'm going to call him tir- Tiramisu, Tiragasu, right? Um, his character. N- what? <laughs> no, those are both wrong. Tiragasu. Well, I was, I was off by like three letters, it's so give me a break. Trim- Trimagasi. Trimagasi, that was it. <laughs> so basically. Tiramisu. He, you know, kind of, you don't really know anything about his character. He's kind of slowly but surely warming up to our main character. And I thought the the way that they kind of ended that first phase of the film where um, I think he said a line that was really good. Um, I think main character asked him, do you believe in God or something like that? And he said, well, this month I do. And I thought that was a great way to kind of end it because... Um, you know, I had already kind of started piecing together, okay, what's going to happen, you know, when they wake up at a lower level next month and sure enough, they do, and he's tied to the bed and then everything just changes. And I feel like what a, what a great pace. I mean, it just, just the way that they kind of, you know, they show, they told a little bit, they foreshadowed it, but it wasn't anything explicit. And then all of a sudden you're literally in hell. I thought that was great. And I kind of, I really enjoyed just the way the plot moved along and you saw all these different aspects of society and all these stand-ins for different facets of society in these characters. Um, one of the things to kind of go back, I guess, to my original point, I thought that was great was the the kitchen at the top, you know, floor, floor zero or whatever, literally these Michelin star chefs that are preparing this banquet, this absolute feast and I thought it was great because they keep kind of cutting back at certain points to the preparation of these meals, which are actually based off of what all of the prisoners' favorite foods are. Um, so you've got something in there for everyone, right? And 
there was a scene probably about halfway through the movie where whoever's in charge of this kitchen, you know, kind of older gentleman, very sharply dressed, grabs like three or four employees and has them in a circle and is comparing, you know, a hair that he found in one of the, uh, you know, items on the table. But I thought that was really interesting, you know, in the grander scheme of things that, you know, the attention to detail is so precise at that top level and they care about those small things so much but then ultimately 300 levels down, you know, they're eating each other. They're jumping off. You know, there's no, there's no focus on detail. There's no focus on the finer things. Um, there is no distinction there because it's, you know, kill or be killed. And I think as we've been talking about so far, survival. Uh, so I thought that was really kind of cool that they put that in there. I, I just thought there, it was very thoughtful every step of the way. They, they really so, go ahead. So let me jump in here really quick and say that I took something different from that. I I feel like who was this presentation really for was what it really came down to. Yeah, the menu is made up of everyone's favorite food item. That's clear. It's the idea that everyone has something that they can eat on there, but it's this simple idea that the top floors take that all away. And the presentation, this beautiful perfect pristine presentation is only for the first floor now the idea comes from the fact that this kitchen is quote unquote the administration that's this is at least the representation of the administration so this comes down to government taking everything that makes the bottom middle and bottom who we are taking our favorites taking our personality bundling it up and then handing it to the people on top, the top 1%, if you will, and saying, here you go. Here's this beautiful, pristine um, selection. Take whatever you want at this point. And literally taking from us, they take what makes us ourselves, what makes us our individuals. It, it's not just about money or food. It's about it now adding this favorite food option to it all and having it taken away it's about taking away who we are as people and and creating those animals so i don't think that those i don't think that the favorite food option was put there for us it was put there for the top and it was there to take away what makes us people well here's a refutation of sorry oh well i just wanted to say that ben you somehow made an already eerie movie even darker <laughs> well, I was going to say there's a refutation of that because the, he ends up on floor six. I mean, that's pretty damn high. I mean, it seems to me like, you know, it's happenstance when somebody can sort of go up or down. You know, there's there there is a communist and capitalist. There's a sort of uh, political reading of the movie that you can do. But I mean, but who decides what floor they're on? That I mean, that's it, uh, if it God. It, what's wrong with you? <laughs> of the administration. Uh, oh man. Exactly. They reward. Well, that's the that's the, the reading that we see from that. That's the reading that we see from them. We 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 see it from from. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna call him. I can't remember his name. George. That's the reading Goring. we see from Goring's uh, perspective. We don't know about any of the other people. It seems to me like there were some people that sort of, you know, never missed a meal. Uh, you know. 
Well, that, that kind of follows the same logic of what I was saying earlier um, about the people killing each other to survive. Miharu always winds up on the top because they keep seeing her riding down from the top. Um, and she literally every time kills her cellmate and then rides down and is killing other people along the way. That's, that's a good point, Mark. I had an epiphany about this. Can we talk about this? Sure. Okay. Okay. My epiphany is that she, I mean, does she ever, do you guys think she ever got to the bottom? Like if she, if she got to the bottom, would she have thought to write it all the way up or would she have been gassed and then brought back up to another level and then she'd have to travel down again? Do you guys think? I think she always goes down to the bottom to see her kid and, or see the well, kid. She always brings her kid food. Yes. That was my yeah. reading of it. She brings her kid food. The kid's still alive. She's trying to feed the kid. And so she purposely, she doesn't kill herself. She, you know, she goes back, even though she seems like so miserable, she brings the kid. She still sacrificed herself to bring the kid food because the kid needs food. So she will kill, dismember anybody that tries to touch that table, you know, and she becomes a, you know, ravenous killer because she's trying to feed her child. Yeah. Well, and then we we get into the child, which is so much to break down and so much to unravel that, like, we don't have time for, I'm sure. But, like, (laughs) the simple fact of the matter is that the administration lied about children being there, number one. So the government lies about their i i i firmly believe and this is going to be a big a big statement i'm sure that you guys are going to be like no 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 i firmly believe believe that this uh was a criticism of like and let me preference really quick by saying obviously this was not like the big scandal when this movie was being made or when when it was being written but i firmly believe this is a criticism of like epstein relationships you know it's it's I believe that it's accusing major governments of human trafficking. I don't see that, but you're entitled to your opinion. Why don't you see that? Because here's the thing, Miller. I, as I was watching this, I was like, Miller is going to be the most resistant person to the message in this movie. Oh, that's interesting. Um, No, I mean, it, it almost seems to me like they didn't, they didn't know. Or, or like Miharu, that was the one item that she chose to bring in there with her was her uh, daughter. Uh, we find out. Um, it and then you it can't almost, bring a person in as an. I item. don't know that lady brought her wiener dog in. No, actually, Chimagasi said that the uh, she brought her ukulele in. Yeah, there you go. What if the kid's name was ukulele? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, that being said, we don't I don't think I don't think. Sorry, just one second, Jason. I don't think <laughs> the I don't think that. Um, sorry, I need names. I need names. I need names. I don't think Imogiri knew because she was just low on the level. But I'm sure the administration knew she was down there, and I'm sure the administration didn't care that she was down there because it didn't it's matter. It's possible. To them. It's possible, and I mean, but but I'm wondering also if because uh, they had. The um, uh, the dessert with them on the on the thirty three hundred and thirty third level. What was that? The a panacotta or something? The panacotta. Oh, okay. Um, they had that down there, and the room didn't increase or decrease in temperature. That child got to eat. So, well, presumably that was her dish. I'm not sure. 
That's an that's an interesting theory, Mark. Actually, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder really if he had kept those. I wonder if he had kept those snails. I wonder if everybody had just taken their favorite dish if they would have been allowed to enjoy. Oh my that's god! Wow. So you, so that's kind of the thing, guys. I mean that that was my interpretation after watching it. That you yeah, know that, that's too much whole, excess. That's the whole yeah. idea, you know. And I mean, it's exemplified in the scene early on where you know you see that banquet feast go down the first few levels and i I thought the imagery they used was really kind of apt because you you don't see people you know taking a a portion or using a plate or flatware or whatever and you know nicely they're stepping on food they're literally on the second level you know they're literally grabbing you know an entire cake and they're grabbing you know entire you know turkey whatever I mean, pretty powerful stuff, because if everyone just took, oh, hey, my meal's the snails, you know, you could live on that. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be <laughs> you'd be much better off than someone on floor 300. That's for damn sure. Might not be mm-hmm. you know, the best thing to eat that every day. But, you know, that was really the thought experiment is that there's enough food for all these people to subsist. But the food never makes it a third of the way down um, because folks at the top are too busy kind of just not thinking about that. You're not thinking about the people below you. You're thinking about your survival. You're, you're taking more than you need. This brings me to another point after Colin's done. Sorry. We're, we're so far removed now because man, you guys just jump on these mics. Um, <laughs> this is back when Ben was talking about the food initially. Uh, I wanted to give you guys a quote directly from the director. Um, about the the lavish food was treated as another character in the story, one that aesthetically antagonistic to the architecture of the prison. Uh, the luxurious displays of gourmet food were presented on a Versailles-worthy tableware uh, to depict excessive, almost erotic, opulent desire that is eventually desecrated once the near-empty platform reaches the abject starving inmates on the lower levels. I guess that was the perfect time to read that quote after, yeah, <laughs> after that. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out to you guys. Uh, also, what I want to say, this is how long it's been since I've got to, to speak my piece, but... Um, we'll just cut in and moderate. I'm just going <laughs> to say the line, you know, do you believe in God this month I do? That is the most Catholic thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, continue. So I um so there's a couple of thought experiments that are like align perfectly with this movie. Um, one of them one of them is from Game Theory and uh, please tell Game me Theory, it's the Prisoner's Dilemma. There's one that's pr- Prisoner's Dilemma. You got me there. Okay, okay. But there's another one which is the uh, pretty like well yeah okay I get it but like there's another one that's um that's uh. The tragedy of the commons, if you've, if anybody's mm-hmm. heard that. So the tragedy, so, um, so prisoner's dilemma, I'll start with that is that individuals, um, acting in their own self interest do not produce an optimal outcome. So, which is Google. Um, so the typical, the typical dilemma is set in such a way that both parties choose to protect themselves at the ex- expense of the other participant. So, okay. So this is set up like a bunch of people. <sighs> It's almost like a heist where a bunch of people try to stick to a story and then everybody, if everybody sticks to the story, everybody's going to be fine, right? They don't have any other evidence. If everybody sticks to the story, it's going to be fine. But if one guy, if one guy gives up everybody else, he wins. So you either trust that everybody else is going to stick to the story or you be that guy. 
and get off scot-free. So it's like, what do you do in that situation? You know, if, if there's the dilemma there is that like the dilemma there is, do I play along or do I snitch on everybody? You know, like, so that's, that's, that's kind of like directly on that is that like, if you have all of this food and you know what, those people below are going to be above me someday. Those people below are going to be above me next month. They're going to treat me like crap. Why should I be nice to them? Why should I care about them if they're going to treat me like crap in a month? You know, that's, that's another way of looking at it. And, um, and then the other part of my little sci-fi spinoff here is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, the tragedy of the commons. Um, it's a situation in a shared resource system. Uh, so you have a, let's say you have, um, you know, in the middle oil or you have in the middle, you know, cows, whatever it is. Um, and you have a whole bunch of people, you have a whole bunch of, they call rational agents in the area. The, the thing is that there's enough for everybody. And this is exactly what we said earlier. There's enough for everybody there. You know, it's like any sort of resource that is shared by all people is that you have enough there. You have enough to sustain everybody. The tragedy is that people will die. A lot of people will die because of the tragedy, which is human nature, which is the fact that, you know, you see everything. It's like, if I'm not fast enough, if I'm not fast enough, I'll be the one that starves. And if I comply with everything, somebody's going to be faster than that. And so if I'm not fast enough and I don't get my share, well, I might as well get as much as I can while I'm here and might as well get as much toilet paper as I can, might as well get as much paper towels as I can while I'm here. I understand that if we all complied, it would be fine, but that guy's not going to comply. I see that guy. I see his look in his eyes. He's not going to comply. Why should I comply? You know, so that's, that's the, um, I feel like that's almost the entire underlying thesis of the movie is that because game theory is kind of human nature. Uh, John Nash, the guy from A Beautiful Mind, it was based off of his life. Uh, he created game, game theory or was one of the founders of game theory. And it's brilliant. If you ever get like an entire evening to yourself and you don't have anything to do, go into game theory and then just get lost in Wikipedia. But don't look up game theory on YouTube because that's a different channel. Man, it's that's like, a different channel. It's mm. like you think Matt Pat's really that insightful? Man, it's it's like oh my the God. perfect antithesis to uh, mutually assured destruction. <laughs> yeah, mutually assured destruction for sure. Bill, you and I should have a philosophy podcast. Uh, that wasn't philosophy; that was science. But I'm, you know, I'll take it. I'm, it's I'm, more I'm, philosophy it's than actually, science. It's actually, no, no, actually, it's actually, it's actually economics. There, <laughs> it's actually economics. You're right. That was good to say. That was actually the economics portion of my cognitive science. Study. But it's a philosophical viewing of economics. Sure. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's something that you can abstract in a way that you can apply to many many situations, which is philosophy. Yeah, you take the assumption, you take the assumption of human beings in there, and then if you take out the human beings and you put something that's not human beings, how do they react? Mm -hmm. You know, do cows share resources more evenly than humans do? You know, so that's that's sort of the idea with that. But I'd say. In terms of, I feel like the study that I did in college, cognitive science, has been like so has contributed so much more to my podcast than my career. <laughs> like like Same, seriously, though. like like, Jason, like it's relate. like because like, because cognitive science is uh is like I'm sorry I'm gonna two seconds give me two seconds cognitive science is philosophy uh, math economics all the stuff and everything boils down to what is human nature so I feel like that goes hand in hand with sci-fi that's why I always go off on these tangents because it always applies directly to what I did mm -hmm. that was great honestly honestly bill that was probably one of the best things i've heard 
could have heard about this uh, particular episode. So well, that's, thank you for I'm, that. I'm glad oh, you went you. there, truly, because like people who are out there panic buying, you know, like you said, toilet paper, paper towels, hand sanitizer, like this movie's for you. You need to watch this movie because it's you fucked up. You fucked up and you continue to fuck up every day. It's not like it stopped, like for the record, for anyone who's paying attention. Like every time there's a restock of toilet paper, it's gone that day. Like humans are humans. And there's really no getting around that at the end of the day. Man, guys, I feel like. All right. (laughs) This is why I fucking love science fiction is we just covered two movies three movies that came out before, you know, everything with COVID-19 started, or at least were made before. And we keep drawing the, uh, the parallels there. And these films are such good, uh, you know, social commentaries that we can easily just draw the, to what we're right now having to experience. We can see the connection there. I fucking love that. Yeah. Unintentionally, I should add. None of this, uh, I think, was th- done intentionally. Sorry, Bill. Oh no, no, you're good. You're good. I, I was gonna say, I think it's, I think it just indicates that this film was made about human nature and what happens when you put it in an extreme situation, and like you realize that there are these, you know, there are very, very evil and horrible things about humans that they do to each other without realizing that they're doing it because they're just trying to protect themselves and survive. And then you get these wonderful people that are trying to go above and beyond and nobody really recognizes that because it's not in your face and killing you. You know, it's like there's these people, you know, working, you know, 72 hour shifts over at the hospital because you know because it just because things got out of hand and i feel like that kind of is um that's representative of uh sorry the woman um oh my god i feel horrible about this not me here uh imogiri imogiri um yeah it's like it's like her she when she was trying trying so hard to like be like let's just fight our nature for a little bit and it's like no you can't do that there's got to be co- something coming straight from the source that does that well, no, you know? I, that's it, that's how human it, nature it, is it, well it's what uh uh our protagonist did is you don't um persuade them out of like kindness is you threaten them and make them well, compliant well yeah so colin that's perfect perfect segue because that was kind of my my big read on this was you know i, I kind of went at it for more of a political philosophical angle and i thought that it was interesting that this film it has a lot to say about the human condition and kind of how we handle things or how we don't handle things and just how we are generally but what i thought was you know it doesn't claim to have any answers which i thought was the right approach to this it doesn't try to fix those problems because i think it posits that these problems aren't fixable at least in our current state What I did really like was you had this kind of dichotomy of, you know, obviously it's a capitalist sort of parable and you see a lot of that just kind of in the the base, you know, like allegory that they're using of, you know, the top down and the banquet table that descends and, you know, all this stuff. But what I thought was interesting is, you know, you can say what you want about the uh, resources or the capital that a society has and that those resources or that capital being kind of, um, 
being concentrated in a very small number of hands. Uh, and I, certainly as the film kind of went on, you know, that's obvious. But what I thought was interesting is it also kind of took a stab at the other side of the coin, too, when you start talking about, you know, um, just for lack of a better word, kind of more your communistic societies or societies where, you know, you work towards the greater good of everyone. But I thought it was an interesting statement that you did have that, but it was just like Colin said, it was forced compliance. It wasn't because out of the kindness of everyone's hearts, they wanted to, you know, spread the wealth around and share resources and make sure everyone had their fill. It was because they were going to beat them over the head with a pipe if they didn't do it. So I thought that it was, uh, it was interesting to at least brought that up because I thought it kind of, um, it provided a, a pretty well balanced view of the human condition. And it didn't just try to say, well, this is the answer. This isn't, this is right. This is wrong. Kind of similar to the, uh, the brutalist architecture that we see. It's very gray. Um, and I thought that's really the way you need to approach it. Uh, it functions more as a mirror and less, you know, a be all end all answer to, I guess, the problems we face. Well, I disagree. Um, I, I think that I agree with almost everything. In fact, it's worth pointing out that even through forced compliance, no one cared the next day. No forced compliance doesn't change minds. It just forces everyone to comply in that moment. It's like what's happening now with, with, with the lockdown, with quarantine and, and, you know, social distancing, you know, this forced compliance has only worked for so long before everyone's decided to start saying, fuck that and walking outside and protesting on, on government property. But it does. It did offer an answer that was um, investing and lifting up our children, because the simple fact of the matter is, we're fucked, and you, me, everyone around us, everyone older than us, we're fucked. We we fucked it up. We're not changing a damn thing. The only way to really change it is to educate and invest in the people who we are raising and and man we should just like become teachers or something <laughs> or or raise children i guess i don't know like bill's doing that on it, on <laughs> it. Nah, i love to procreate yeah. well parents I, are teachers worst nightmare i completely agree with ben i think that you know so maybe i should preface that by saying you know that's certainly a solution or that's a way to go about rectifying a problem, it certainly isn't going to solve the problem overnight. But I think, you know, that is a pretty strong statement that that's what the filmmakers see as, you know, maybe our only hope as a species to invest in, you know, people that aren't tainted, they aren't um, right. corrupted by growing up in that system. Because as you just said, right. we've already, we're, we're, we're tainted already. We've grown up in that system. So for as much as we may want to change things, it's certainly hard to when you're operating within a system to try to change it. Um, and I, I think that's what the child represents. That's why the child is the symbol. That's why the child kind right. of supersedes the, the dessert as being the message. Um, and why I there is it no changing it overnight. That's the point, right? There is no changing it. I'm sorry. That really like, like fucked me up for a second. You, we aren't changing overnight. Like people, sit here and fucking act like and I, i'm sorry to to anyone who doesn't want to hear us get super political but i'm gonna go there we aren't gonna change nothing's gonna happen 
everyone's freaking out saying like, you know, oh, you know, four more years of this or this government this or these senators this. It doesn't fucking matter. It's going to be the same. There's nothing you can do except invest in the future, invest in the children who hopefully could make something different when we're long fucking dead because that's all that will change at this point is the people who fucked it up and the people who didn't do a damn thing to fix it die. That's what changes things. That's where I'm at. Sorry, that really set me off. I needed to say it. Ben has now ruined the podcast. I haven't ruined it. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, no, I was breaking I the tension was... with some no, comedy. No, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're talking about a movie that is rife with political allegory. I mean, it's got to get political. There's no way around it. Sorry, um, continue what you were saying, Jason. I interrupted you, and that was rude. I'm sorry. I swear I won't get political tonight. <laughs> yes, three please, truly. Please, uh, the actual, the actual political scientist in the room. Please continue. Well, no, I mean that's the thing, Ben. Like you're, I think you're right. I mean, regardless of what angle politically you're coming at it from, um, you know, whether you agree with kind of what seems like they're trying to say in the film or you don't. Um, I still think, you know, that is the message ultimately, and I, I think, you know, that's why I really enjoyed and. and Honestly, the reason that I, I pushed for it as hard as I did, and I think we generated a, a great episode with some great discussion. So, like, ultimately, I'm glad because that's the whole point. And that's what I think I said when I was talking to you guys about it. You know, we need to do this because it's just very timely. And I thought the message was there and is very well done. But I just really enjoy science fiction as a vehicle for this type of social commentary. You know, that's why I love the movie Snowpiercer. I thought it was great. Um, even, uh, I think I was talking about it in our precast here, Train to Bouchon, very similar. You know, it, it has something to say, you know, it's biting. It, it's not pulling any punches. Uh, it certainly, yeah, it has a viewpoint and it has a, um, its own kind of, um, what am I trying to say? It has its own agenda, but I thought the way that it was done and the way that it was handled was just really, really sharp and it was really smart. Um, you know, it was told in a way that was very brutal and uh, obviously very violent, but I thought the violence was used as a vehicle for the message. It wasn't the point of it. You know, it wasn't gory for gore's sake. It was really trying to get get home the primal kind of nature that we fight against, I think, as a society and also as individuals. So, yeah, tr truthfully. Though I, though I feel like the scenes of gore were a specific choice. Um Oh, absolutely. They, and those images are much more striking than just the starved bodies would have been. Yeah. And you see that on their descent, which I thought, you know, what, what a great, what a great uh, sequence when they, you know, descend and, you know, they don't show every single floor, but you can see, you know, there's uh, I thought it was funny. The two naked guys sitting in the, the pool, you know, that was the, that prisoner's <laughs> item that he brought in was a pool. So you've got, you know, relatively innocent, sort of almost borderline goofy, kind of black comedy in that. And then you go down another floor and you've got people, you know, guy decapitated another guy and he's eating him, you know, like it just really shows the range. So those guys in the pool were actually really interesting to me um, because they were sitting knee to knee, uh, naked and exposed to each other, uh, pretty much as comfortable as they could be with each other. But the second that piece of watermelon hit, they were going ape shit on each mm -hmm. other. Yes, that's, yep. that's where I think yeah, the point was. Is to show how uh, what is uh I'm sorry what is the Chinese uh militaristic philosopher slash all the economists love Sun Tzu Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu. thank you Sun that's Tzu. well um that he's that's uh, Japanese oh 
My apologies. Sun Tzu is Sun Tzu oh. is Japanese. Oh, there you okay. go. My bad. Oh. Anyways, he he has the. Uh, that just does not sound Japanese. Anyways, um, he has the line. Uh, you know, that's because he's a Chinese strategist dummy. Okay, I, I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I was. I won't I'm gonna, admit I was wrong. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> dial it back. Dial back. I'm gonna paraphrase here, but I, it was something about you can, you know, spend your entire life with a man, eat with a man, you know, you know basically spend your whole life with him, uh, and then at the very end, hold him over a volcano, and on that day, you will meet that man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's essentially what happened. That, that was their little moment there. Yeah, that's what I've always said: is that you never, you can never really know a person. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, guys, we could just keep going on and on forever. This movie was just packed. Anyways. Uh, well, let me, let me posit but, something then since we, we kind of, you know, we, we touched on, I think all the big points, it was definitely a, uh, a survey of this movie. Cause I think we could do multiple episodes on this if we really wanted, but I, uh, without going into good sci-fi, bad sci-fi, cause I got a feeling that's where we're headed next. Do you guys, could you kind of get why I, I pushed for this one? I thought we were yeah, watching yes, it just because you it's love floating good. platforms. I like it. It's very, very well done. And I thought it was very, very appropriate. Without so, good or yeah, bad. Yeah, I definitely see it. You weren't supposed to say good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, it was a good like platform video games. Well, actually, I'm kind of pissed that they called it the platform because the original title is essentially the whole. And that's what they refer to it. Yeah. The, the, the entire thing mm. is the whole. I, I like that better. But they were using this movie as a platform for their communistic sure. beliefs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways, uh, Jason, you were right, though. This is exactly where I'm going to go with it. I'm going to start with good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Um, I think this is fucking great, great sci-fi. Um, it's a It's a wonderful wonderful social commentary um oh man it ah it it makes you think about things that you already thought about it it really does like it didn't really bring up anything new for me but it put things into pretty good perspective i guess i loved it so great film great sci-fi moving on mark you know i thought it was great sci-fi um Coming from such a simple concept, only really having the platform as our as our sole piece of uh, sci-fi tech here, I built a story that was so layered and was really able to draw out all of this conversation from us here. Um, very interesting movie. I never really felt comfortable at any given point while watching the movie, um, but looking back as we talk about it, I would definitely recommend it to uh, anyone willing to give it a shot to to watch it and really just digest it. Thank you, boy. Jason. Yeah, guys. Um, I mean, I definitely feel good that everyone got something out of it and enjoyed it. You know, I'm, I'm not typically one that uh, is going to be a loud advocate for, you know, moving things up or adding things to the list. I mean, typically, you know, we've got this planned out quite a, quite a ways ahead of time and Ben does a phenomenal job at that. But after watching this one, uh, I, I just had the feeling it was definitely something I wanted to talk to you guys about and kind of get everyone's opinion on and everyone's take on. Um, cause I was blown away. This is my favorite type of sci-fi, I guess you could say. I just love when science fiction is used as a vehicle for critique 
Um, and I thought this was a really interesting and really kind of unique examination of a lot of problems that we as a society face. I thought it did a phenomenal job with that. It asked a lot of questions and it didn't try to pose necessarily too many answers. I think we hit on nail on the head, especially with Ben's kind of piece about, um, you know, investing in the future and really paying more attention to our future as kind of being the way forward, uh, especially children, people outside the system uh, that aren't already corrupted by it. thought it was a phenomenal example of that uh, and generally just a great movie. So I, I haven't really felt that strongly about a science fiction movie on first viewing in a long time. So phenomenal film, phenomenal science fiction. Uh, definitely want to keep an eye on all of these filmmakers and kind of see where they go next because uh, I think they're definitely have a lot to say. Thank you, Jason. Matt, lay it on me. I think it was great sci-fi. It dealt with a lot of very human themes, all staged in this Orwellian prison. It's something that will be relevant for years to come. And for that, I think it is just phenomenal sci-fi. All right. Thank you. Ben. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep this short. Um... It's phenomenal sci-fi. I, you know, I've said it before. Sci-fi doesn't need to have spaceships and and laser guns. You know, it's oftentimes it does. <laughs> oftentimes, <laughs> sci-fi is just a little simple "what if" that changes the scope of everything. And this is one of those cases. And it, I, I didn't realize how angry this movie made me until I'm sitting here now recording this with all of you, and it and. Now I'm just wishing this podcast was over because I, I need to walk away and, and sit down and, and take some time for myself. It's phenomenal sci-fi. And, and if you don't watch this, you're a waste. Damn. Yeah. You heard it here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> heard it here first. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ben. And going on to uh, little Billy Jarvis, age uh, 29, almost 30. He's getting there. Whoa. Uh, he's getting Stop. there. I'm I'm going completely bald now. That's oh. my look now. I mean, shaved your I head. I did it again. I shaved my head again. You guys well, haven't Bill, seen maybe it. Maybe if I... you stopped eating all those giant lollipops, this <laughs> yeah. wouldn't happen. Anyway, all those spinner uh, so hats. So I, <laughs> so I um I wanted to say that I think this is great. I think it's like what um what Colin says all the time is that like something that explores what makes us human, um and what uh and the consequences of such, and so I think this is fantastic sci-fi. It checked all the boxes for me It explored fundamental truths about being human and made me question what I do in my daily life and, and how I interact with the world and others. So I think it's fantastic sci-fi. Magnanimous. Right, Magnanimous. There it is. Patent pending. Can that, our, can that be our first like cologne? <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. It, I was still it couldn't be anything else. I was still stuck on a, uh, uh, you know, like a t-shirt level and maybe we all have mm -hmm. Funkos. Everybody you're thinking does, cologne, I'm there. Everybody does t-shirts. I haven't seen any podcaster Funkos yet. We could be the first ones for that. Let's hit that but market. we have to we have to spray all of our podcast Funkos with uh, magnanimous cologne. Oh my God, that's perfect. By Sci-Fi Cross Sections. Magnanimous. All right. Do you want to smell like a sci-fi boy? I don't either, but here you I, go. It doesn't smell good. It, oh, man, that's just not... It the, smells like I oh, haven't taken bad. a shower since quarantine started. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm in your room. It's not that bad. But I took a shower today. All right. <laughs> Andrew. Uh, I did uh, really enjoy this movie. Um, I am 
if you made it this far into the podcast without seeing the movie one, what the fuck did you do? Uh, but two, this is definitely not a movie to watch if you're eating dinner. I am very glad that I waited because uh, this is a gory one. Um, it is a great movie. Uh, a little bit dubious on the sci-fi front, but I'm not going to let that um, take away from my overall experience watching the movie. I mean, this is easily, you know, maybe a dystopian future, you know? I mean, there's obviously some kind of future tech that's going on to let this moving platform, you know, go uh, up and down without any kind of... Uh, you know, mechanical interference. Um, I did. So I'll, I'll give this the, uh, the, the excellent uh, sci-fi seal of approval. Excellent sci-fi. All right. All right, everyone, there you have it. That is our take on the new hit movie. I'm going to call it a hit movie because I fucking loved it. Uh, new hit movie, the platform. Um, if you haven't watched it and you listen to this entire fucking cast, First off, what the fuck is wrong with you? But second of all, go watch the goddamn movie and make sure you have other people watch the movie as long as they're not eating. Um, yeah, Colin, I can't wait for Platform 2. I hear it's going to be a comedy. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. A dark comedy, I would at least expect. Um, um, no, it's slapstick. It's 100% slapstick. Please. It's basically the new three I'm just stages. picturing Benny Hill style. They're running in and out of the different holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Uh, ben, what can people do on Sundays? Uh, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons remotely on twitch.tv slash once upon a tavern underscore between the words uh we're we're really getting into it and every time they tiptoe to the line they move back but uh they're gonna start running out of options here soon they're gonna have to go over the line at some point so come on over and say hi it's a lot of fun and get some really good character moments so that's cool too and apparently shit's about to hit the fan i didn't say that (laughs) i mean he says that every week so it's fine uh well, he at least he threatens us every week with that. Um, anyways, I have a brand new side project with my girlfriend Rachel. Um, we're reviewing old X Files episodes. Um, we've been watching X Files. Um, I think we started watching about two months into dating. Um, but we we've got a new podcast out. It's called "There's Something Up There." Rachel, it's a uh, it's an X-Files analysis podcast. That's actually a quote from the first episode. But we just posted the first two episodes. One's in episode zero, kind of explaining who we are and why we're doing the podcast. And then uh, we have a proper episode one, which is a, um, a little bit longer than I think the episodes are going to normally be. It's about an hour. Uh, but we're just reviewing the pilot uh, episode of X-Files. Um, from there on, I think we'll, we're kind of examining how we want to do the format. Uh, but that's available on Spotify uh, right now, and we are just awaiting um, iTunes approval right now. So Spotify right now, iTunes soon. Uh, there's something up there, Rachel. All right, thank you. Uh, ben, what are we doing next week? Devs, the new FX on Hulu series from our boy, our one and only the director of Ex Machina and Annihilation, Alex Garland. Mm. Fantastic. 
I'm really excited. I've been, I noticed it has uh, the girl from Star Trek Picard in it. And it has Nick Offerman in it. Ooh. Yep. I'm really. People I, love that guy. I've, yeah, been in, I've been really excited to watch this one. So I'm excited. I've been like kind of holding off until all the episodes are out. So I'm excited to really get into it. Maybe I'll watch it. Well, I hope you do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a podcast. I know you're real busy, Miller. Uh-huh. With uh, all that editing and... Yeah. Crying. Streaming. <laughs> the shame. Do you, wait, do you cry on stream? I stream and cry at the same time. I don't know if I, I cry on stream. You might get some hits for that. Yeah, you might get yeah, yeah, some thing. hits for that. It's a cry cast. Yeah, I've heard of that. Sort of millennial bullshit is that. <laughs> Thanks for the follow. Oh, man. Thanks for the follow, Beanfart69. Thanks for the follow. <laughs> Nothing is too ridiculous if it makes <laughs> you, you money. Fuckfart69. <laughs> Beanfart69. Oh, yeah. God, we're going to become like regular content creators, but for podcasts. Ugh. Get me out That's of fire. here. Look, I'm bathing my dog. <laughs> on cast. All right, folks. There you have it. That is our take on the movie. Until next time.